I tell all my lady friends I love them? It's the only way I can emotionally manipulate them correctly. Hmm? Nothing, nothing. You didn't hear anything. Oh boy, it's the Doom to Fail podcast. I am the latest and greatest, Tim Dobbs, and with me as ever is... I had something... Oh, you're scaring me with the big eyes. Ah, totally forgot. The lady with the big eyes. Big eyes. Disguise. Big eyes. Catherine Kogan. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Aw, thanks. Yeah, that's nice. Well, first of all, that song you just heard was Blamos uh, with their song, How Do You Know? And that is the theme song, and Blamos are great. At any rate, uh, check them out at www.blamos.com. That's B-L-A-M-M-O-S.com. Uh, they're super great. And as regular listeners of this show know, we have a number of different topics. We just sort of like to roll through these topics and uh, tumble and toss like we're rolling down a hill like you did when you were a kid. When times were better. Into a pile of leaves. Oh, gosh, it's so great. <sighs> but instead of leaves, it's cool things to tell people at parties. Exactly. We are nothing <laughs> if not a cocktail hour show. Specifically, this cocktail hour, uh, we will be talking about, Catherine? Symphonic architecture. In our unique instrument series. Well, some people play the tuba, and some people play the flute. Some people play the guitar, and some people play the lute. But to wow the ladies and the gents, you need unique instruments. This week, as Catherine said, we'll be doing uh, symphonic architecture. Catherine, what the heck does that mean? Well, the definition, or at least the definition we're going to use here tonight, or today, or at three in the morning, whenever you're listening, the definition... The end of the universe. Yeah. The definition we'll be using is a site-specific installation designed to create music from the surrounding architectural elements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a building that also plays music. So here's what's actually interesting about symphonic architecture. Because you know, as well as I do, that moving and or, or music and creating sounds requires movement and vibrations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That's what music you you is. pluck a guitar string, you uh, vibrate some air through your piccolo. Exactly. But movement and vibrations are very destructive to structures, i.e., earthquakes. Yeah, like the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Right, exactly. Mm hmm. 99% invisible. I just listen to it. It's so really good. In a sense, while music and structures can both be gorgeous works of art, they are somewhat the antithesis of each other. So I think it's interesting to look at how they intersect and interact with one, one another. We can almost sort of pitch it as, well, here's practical and here's creative. And practical must remain solid, whereas creative is free to move.
Tim. Yes. How often do you take the stairs versus the elevator? Most of the time. Most of the time? Well, yeah. you're skinny. It <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yes, it does. It expends more calories. Well, That's why you should take One the feeds stairs. the other, I guess. I, I'm impatient. That's what it really is. Okay. Well, do you ever walk mm-hmm. up the escalator if it's empty? Yes, only if it's empty. But if it's full, it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort. What if there's like two people up, two people on it? And you could like... Uh, where are the people? Like, I, do you do any optimization? I don't know why I'm going to ask you this. It, but do you do any okay, optimization so where it's like, if they're halfway up, then you could probably get two-thirds of the way up pretty quickly? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, uh, unconsciously, I think I do do that. <laughs> now, it sounds like what we need here is to sort of develop a sort of uh, escalator rideability index. Right. About... And it would have to do with number of people and their position on it. And also if they're carrying luggage or if they seem like jerks, you know. <laughs> exactly. If they'll, like, move mm-hmm. over to let you walk past them. That's Is there thing. a cute dog on the escalator? Do dogs ride escalators? They have to, right? Um, okay, yeah. My dog will. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have the best dog. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, however... I, that sounds bit like it complicated and expensive, and I think this would take several million dollars of developing funds. So rather than develop this complicated escalator algorithm, I suggest... Wait, wait, several million dollars yes. of funds for an algorithm? Yes, this is complicated, Tim. <laughs> this is quite the grant we're writing here. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. I don't have time to do this. So rather yeah, we're gonna we're gonna measure. It's all gonna be a function of the various steps. I see. We have to invest in what at least sixty four different. We're gonna we're gonna do the studies on that longest escalator in the world, mm-hmm. which may or may not be in Washington D.C. One of the longest is in D.C. Oh, anyway, cool. on the metro. Yeah. Now you know. Now I know. <laughs> There's a lot of spillover from last week. <laughs> uh, but anywho, this is a better idea that that is already in existence. Let's just make going up the stairs more fun. So that we all just go up the stairs all the time because it's just fun to do so. Let's. I have an idea. Do you? It's actually not my idea, but I'm going to steal an idea to tell you. I'm on a roller coaster here as far as your ideas. Let's make the stairs into a piano. Mm. You're already winning me over. Right. I'm already putting together the... Uh, right. <laughs> I'm already putting together the opening strains of Rich Girl by Hall & Oates. <laughs> uh, Man, I love that song. This piano, these piano stairs, are pretty simple design. It's really cute. They'll, like, paint the stairs to look like a piano. And as you walk up the stairs, you're doing a scale on the piano. And it was designed for a competition that Volkswagen had called the Fun Theory. So it's a weird name. I agree. And the point of which this competition is to make doing good things like recycling and taking the stairs and wearing your seatbelt less of a drag and more fun by just doing something weird and quirky. Hmm. Do we do we know anything? Obviously, the piano stairs was about taking the stairs. Do we know anything about the recycling or wearing your seatbelt projects? Yes. Uh, so the wearing your seatbelt projects, one thing that they did was there were like a few different ideas, but... They turned the seatbelt fastener into, like, a Game Boy that would turn on once you fastened it. Oh, 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 you would get to hear it go, ding Yeah. But, like, yes! you could play the Game Boy once your seatbelt was fastened. 
This sounds like a great project. Yeah, no, it's yeah. really cool. And the recycling one, they turned it into the you put like a can or bottle in and it turns into like a pachinko thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where the bottle will like go down and you try and get the highest score. Also great. And you could kind of make that actually. Right? That'd be pretty easy to do. A quick stop at the Home Depot. Extremely cheap. Or Lowe's, fair time, you know. <laughs> Well, Catherine, so when, when you told me about this, actually, I checked out the video that we're going to post on the blog, and this was done in Australia, if I'm not wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. This was uh, done, sorry, this was actually done in Stockholm. Sorry. Was it? Uh-huh. The one for the Volkswagen Fun Theory was done for Stockholm. Huh. <laughs> because, interestingly, there, I think there was, it's a totally different piano stairs, I think, one in Stockholm. Really? Yeah, that's, this is a really good sign for the world, actually. <laughs> that there are so many piano stairs that we can't keep them straight. <laughs> it's just a matter of time till all stairs are pianos. <laughs> Melbourne International Jazz Festival. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like we have, uh, we'll, we'll post all these links on the blog, but it looks like we have one in Melbourne done for an international jazz festival, mm-hmm. and then also one in Stockholm put in the metro, mm-hmm. and then also one in China, which uh, again was designed to just make it more fun to go up in stairs and encourage people to take the stairs, but it has a weird level of paternalism associated with it because it's China. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. So we have at least four confirmed piano stairs. Yes. Great. More to come, hopefully. One of the interesting things about it is, so when you look at the ones that are sort of on the metro or things like that, is that during rush hour, it sort of just turns in this cacophony of noise. Just, just, uh, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so it's not really music. And then so we start to make this, this question of like, well, is this supposed to make music or is it just supposed to sort of reflect what's happening in the real world? And that really just depends on how romantic you want to be about sound, right? Mm-hmm. And in your case, it's very romantic. <laughs> not really. Because my, quest, my, my point was going to be, I would like almost a way, I think what would be really, really cool is if there was a way to make it so that sort of the natural movement and the ebb and flow of traffic up and down these stairs became a real song something that would be actually enjoyable you know right like bad romance thank you for going there (laughs) (laughs) god that's catchy (laughs) and i don't know how you i mean can you think of any way at all to do that obviously it wouldn't be perfect but if there was some way to to take this sort of I mean, this isn't. This is even an idea we've talked about before. When we talk about maybe the uh, Instruments in Nature podcast, where we discussed uh, water that sort of ebbed and flowed over those steps that went to the sea, and they made like a yeah, whoosh, and that actually did sound um, like a song, right? And so I wonder if there's a way to sort of turn turn this into music instead of sound, right? Interesting. Well, more to come as we discuss that and even much more interesting things when we're back on the Doom to Fail podcast.
face ache and just for his faith's sake he tries to stay calm he looks down at young man's hands and his arms and remembers a time they seemed so Tim? much smaller yes how good is your quantum physics uh could be worse oh that's good okay yeah because that's the principle of this next instrument <laughs> <laughs> as, as half of our listeners just hit the stop button <laughs> Don't go away yet. No, it's okay. It's not that bad, guys. It's kind of cool. I can win you back here. Okay, so to give you sort of a, an intro to this thing, first of all, it's called Hear, Touch, Listen, uh, with um, idiosyncratic capitalization in there that capitalizes ear to, uh, which I think uh, is something you'll understand in just a moment. So to, to lead you in here, we're going to give you a quote. This is from the program. This was done in sort of a, um, a showing, I guess. What, what would you call that? Um, um, I would call it, uh, it was kind of a competition. Uh, Anyway, it was an event, and uh, the program to this event included this quote. Each material, no matter if solid, liquid, or gas, is based on sequencing molecular movements and vibrations, and any sequencing movement and vibration is basically sound. Humans have the ability to form and deform materials to create architectural structures. Each of these structures also has its specific frequencies. So so the deal here is basically everything is vibrating all the time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Why isn't my table shaking right now? Because it's not vibrating in very big ways, and it's also not vibrating coherently. Not not the whole thing, anyway. Sure. Um, small bits of it are vibrating in little bits. And so, essentially, the, f- the frequencies are fantastically high, and also the amplitudes are very small. So if you picture a wavelength, um, say you're looking at... Uh, yeah, like a lie detector or something like that. You know how that needle sort of scratches out yes. the waves? Right. And so what our guys would be doing is the needle would be moving incredibly fast, but just very tiny little bits at a time. Yeah. So it would be kind of like going, you know, except to the umpteenth degree. To the umpteenth degree, so it just becomes one tone or one desk or one chair. <laughs> it's true, right? It works. <laughs> Oh, only sort of. I mean, I mean the uh, the tone doesn't turn into a desk. Um, yes, I, I see what you're saying. I, I get you now. It's coming together. All right. It's not. It's not the Tacoma Narrows Bridge where the whole thing is moving up and down. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you're not going to have your left drawer shift and your right drawer move down because the the plate of your desk is is moving in just just tiny little increments. Exactly. Okay. I feel like we're getting this together. So, what the What? Well, vibrations and notes are kind of the same thing, right? Because vibrations cause sound. Yeah, and anything with a frequency we can call a sound. Exactly. Or well, we can translate to a sound. We can I'm sorry. translate it to a sound. Yes. So, this guy, Eli Fieldsdale. So we could uh, take maybe the frequency of um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting home runs all those summers ago. And translate that into a terrible song about steroids. <laughs> um, anyhow, this guy, Eli Fieldsteel. I'm just going to leave that there. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Let that bad boy lie. So Eli's sitting on the ground floor of this building, and like above him are railings, like two or three um, levels Th- of railings. This is like an atrium. Above. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's sitting on the ground floor with his Mac and a mixing board, and connected to his mixing board are essentially all these different electroacoustical instruments. Um, and instruments, in th- this case, they're not, they're not musical instruments. They're more like measurement instruments. Exactly. 
Yeah. They're just measuring the electronic vibrations. So as opposed to, how do I want to say this? So when we talk about this desk is vibrating, it's not that the mm-hmm. sound wave, or it's not that there's a change in pressure around the desk, which is what sound waves are. It's that the actual electrons in the desk are vibrating. True. Well, so so this is this is an important distinction that I wanted to, to talk about. Yeah. Is so you, you say at the beginning of this that quantum mechanics are important here. Yeah. And if it's truly measuring electronic vibrations, that is. Uh, sort of the way the <laughs> I'm not sure it's measuring what you think it's measuring. Okay, well I um, could be completely wrong. What do you think okay. it's measuring? So, so, so you talked about quantum mechanics, and that that may be an issue if we were talking about actually electrons moving around uh, nuclei, but I. I'm not entirely sure that they he would be, certainly not this guy would be able to measure that. And also, if you do measure it, as people who uh, have a could be worse understanding of quantum mechanics like myself, uh, you collapse the waveform, which is to say that um, there's there's no wave, and and the wave itself is a very weird metaphorical concept as it is that I don't totally understand. Yes, it is. But the point is, I'm not sure you can measure it. So what may be actually happening is it's not electronic vibrations that are being measured. It's mechanical vibrations, which is more along the lines of um, instead of an electron bouncing around, it's molecules bouncing around. So this like one molecule of uh, um, carbon in the steel or or more likely even just sort of a whole batch of carbons in the steel railing. Okay. um, All kind of shifting ish together. And it's able to measure that. Yeah, I would buy that. That makes sense. So each of these molecule vibrations are being recorded by these instruments, transferred for his, to his computer, and converted to sound out of his speakers. He's just able to manipulate the volume of these things, and that's about it. Not much of a musician. <laughs> well, what do you think of it? So what, what I really like about it, more than anything, is... Um, how aware it makes you of uh, sort of the vibrancy of the building that you're standing in. So when you're actually in a building, I mean, especially if it's like a high-rise or a really big building, I mean, there's there's natural fluctuations in the steel. Everything is sort of shifting all the time because there's pressures on it. Mm-hmm. There's wind blowing outside. There's people walking around inside. And this music that we're here... Well, Let's put music in quotes, but the point is it makes you very aware of that. It amplifies these tiny little shifts and makes it kind of sound like you're in a terrifying, creaky boat or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, re- I really, really like that. Yeah. It is cool. I, I do like what you're saying a lot. I like how it brings into question this thing that we think is solid, the ground beneath our feet when you're not on the ground floor, um, is not actually as solid as we think it is. Yeah, and it, it makes you sort of just uh, hyper aware of it, really, mm-hmm. which is which is great because, man, I, you know, the more I think about how you build a building, the more like ludicrously complicated I realize it is. Right. And it's just like, oh my god, how is this even together? 
Uh, and it's cool that you can sort of appreciate that. You can appreciate the like ridiculous amount of engineering, like the years of work that went into building whatever building you're in right now. Let's go back in time about eight years. Okay, we're here. Eight years previous. The year is 2004. <laughs> um, so I want to tell a story about John, John Weggie. Hit me. He's just lost his sight due to diabetes, and he's not sure if he'll get his sight back. Oh. And he's looking for a new place to live. So he decides to commission a cabin, just like he lived in when he was a kid. Because I guess he's craving that sort of childhood memory thing. Do you think did you think this was a case of he just had a lot of money and decided to commission something or a case of like I'm blind now might as well do something really good for myself because I commissioning a cabin that's a replica of when you were a kid ooh I don't know if it's cuz I watched a clip of it today but I keep going back to Citizen Kane I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> He had a sled <laughs> Um so he calls up two guys, William Close and David Hanawalt, to build him, like, this amazing cabin in the woods. Cool. I think I think this is good for everyone, for, for John Weggie, but also, William Close and David Hanawalt got to build an awesome cabin. It's very cool. This house is actually designed to emphasize not only the natural sounds that you get of a cabin in the woods, a, the swing of a door that's kind of rhythmic, the wind whooshing through the hmm. trees, water lapping up against the shore of the lake... Birds. Birds. Bird song. Yeah. Um, uh, plaintive call of a coyote in the night. All of that. But it's also a harp itself. It's a harp itself. Interesting. Uh, describe this to me. The harp can actually be played by both the wind, just wind running by the house, and you can actually play it by hand. Hmm. Okay, so it's a harp, so it has it's strings, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and the strings are just sort of on one outdoor wall of the house? They're like along the siding or something? I'm not really sure how, what the design is like, but I know the wind ru- rushing by the outside of the house will fill the entire living room. And to a lesser extent, the rest of the house, with harp music. Interesting. So David Hanawalt says of this cabin that, I wanted the windows to be more like eardrums than eyeballs. Uh, And we see this in that it's a house designed for a man who's recently gone blind. There's lots of skylights and windows to let in a lot of natural light and just keep the place very well lit so to help his eyesight recover. Um, oh. Mm-hmm. 
And the crazy yeah, thing. Yeah, interesting that his eyesight could come back. I didn't realize that. Yes, his eyesight actually did come back. Oh, even better. Yeah, right? Go him. Um, yeah. But here's the weird thing. The floor is patterned such that Weggy could tell where he was by just the feeling under his feet. Hmm. So each like um, room and space has its own unique floor patterning. Cool. Uh, so it's uh, this isn't like a standard tiling then. It's sort of um, I would imagine there'd have to be sort of like almost drawings in the in the tiles. Perhaps. Hmm. Are we t- so we're talking about you can actually feel it with your feet though. It's not it's not a visual thing. It's more like something is raised and not raised or something like that. Um, it was not clear. The New York Times article that I read was not clear. Ugh, those Times guys, they just can't they can't write a good descriptive article. However, Weggy did have a boost because his diabetes apparently made the bottom of his feet more sensitive, sensual wise. Is that a thing? Apparently it is. He's like a really terrible version of Daredevil. <laughs> An old guy can build a house in the woods with a harp <laughs> in it, and he can feel under his feet to get around. It's one of those alternative comic books. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's about 6,200 square feet and 2.4 million. That's quite expensive. And pretty big. Yeah, right? For a cabin in the woods, anyway. This is no, uh, no one-room cabin. No, sir. Uh, nifty house, and unless you got anything else, I think we are right back and maybe on track. I don't know. With the Doom to Fail podcast. back it's the doom to fail podcast as always your faithful host Catherine and tim yes <laughs> i need you to do a sonic smile here sonic smile go <laughs> well with any luck someone's smiling at any rate that was the doom to fail podcast for symphonic architecture that was a Three pretty cool stuff. Yes, it Three was. Three cool stuff. Yes, it was. Pop quiz, <laughs> Tim. Hit me. Do you know what we're doing next week? No. <laughs> I might. It's uh, finally, finally, the rising of Tim and Catherine's Happy Hour, right? Yes, it is. Do you know what we're talking about specifically? I know we're talking about hard alcohol. Sip neat. Very nice. So we're going to... Sip some hard alcohol neat, and we are going to discuss with you, the listener, what that's all about. What, what are you really saying when, you, when you're doing that, and why would you do it? Cool. And we'll learn a little bit about how it's made. I am Tim Dobbs here, and that's Catherine Kogan over there, and mirror me. <laughs> I am Catherine Kogan here, and that's Tim Dobbs over there. And this was the Doom to Fail podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.